Hey, Augmenters, we were so lucky to get to talk with our friend and one of Jimmy's mentors, Seth Goldman, activist, entrepreneur, and chief change agent, about staying consistent in mentoring relationships and keeping your eyes open to the sources of inspiration around you. Seth is definitely a source of inspiration to us, sharing insights on how to show up for your mentoring relationship for the long haul. So grab some mushroom jerky from Seth's most recent venture, Eat the Change, and bonus points if your nails match the ketchup on your Beyond Burger. Settle in for a great conversation, and here we go. I mean, I, I'm not sure how to introduce you, Seth, because I feel like you uh, not only always are wearing a lot of hats, but have been able to build so much uh, over your career, and uh, especially now, I've been really drawn to all of your writing and speaking that you've been doing. So, uh, I mean, I don't know what introduction to say other than, you know, Seth Goldman, you know, TEO Emeritus, uh, previous chair of Beyond Meat, and uh, the man uh, behind Plant Burger and Eat the Change, uh, which I'm excited to hear about uh, new developments there as well. So how'd I do? Great, great. <laughs> uh, you got them all. I'm currently chair of, of Beyond Meat as well, so oh, still, okay. still chair of the board there. Gotcha. Yeah. All right. Yeah. So the, the, the hats don't stop. <laughs> yeah. Well, well, that's amazing. So, and really, Seth, thanks so much for sitting down sure. and, and chatting with us. I was really looking forward to this. Uh, I was telling Julie that I was almost uh, I, so I said, I'm like, I'm a little nervous coming back to see Seth because you were so uh, kind to me every, you know, whether it was six months or 15 months, you let me come back into this exact room. That's right. And and I was like, Oh man, I really hope I did good over the last bit of time. You know, I had my little report and I just wanted, and I always, I was thinking about what are the couple questions I wanted to bounce off you given your wealth of experience and just all the information that was always coming to you. So I was like, Julie, I think I'm going to be a little nervous because I, I haven't seen Seth in a while. So I got to have a good report. Yeah. We got to catch up over in the, at our M&T stadium though with our, over our COVID oh, shots. Oh, that's right. You're both getting your COVID shots Which at the same was, time. Which was just like the most, so, so when that happened and Julie and I were kind of envisioning what the podcast might be, I'm like, Julie, I think it's a sign. We gotta talk to <laughs> Seth. Yeah, it was good to see a familiar face amidst the, that crowd. So I, I, my first question I'd love to just kind of hear from you, like, I mean, so much about your like, you know, entrepreneur as an activist and everything that you've been communicating through uh, pen and audio recently, or I guess keyboard and audio. Uh, it, where did some of those thoughts initially come from about how you could use business in a, in a, in a kind of a different way or through a different lens as most people? Like, are, are those all original? Were there ideas that you were kind of bringing together? Like, I, I'd love to hear just a little yeah. bit about where that came from. Yeah. You know, I think it starts from being an activist first, right? So like, you know, I, I sort of went into my career thinking I'm, I'm going to act on issues I care about. And then it was like just choosing the right venue, the right arena to do it. And initially, you know, in college, I was a government major. So I was thinking, you know, I'm going to be in politics and that's the right way to make change happen. And I worked on, you know, some political campaigns and worked on Capitol Hill. And so, um, you know, I, I definitely looked down that path, um, but it, it didn't seem to me that that um, I saw a lot of activism but not as much impact and um and then i thought well maybe there's other paths where you can have a more direct impact and so i did um launch a nonprofit uh for um you know in baltimore and and uh 
and, and I enjoyed that work. And then I saw, you know, um, to really do a nonprofit well, it's good to have the, the full set of management skills, you know, to mm-hmm. really scale it. And that's when I, and getting into business school, got exposed to this idea that business um, can be that vehicle for change. And it was still early, I would say, you know, you had companies like Ben and Jerry's, you had the body shop, but it wasn't, a lot of what those companies were doing was taking their um, profits and donating to some cause, you know, or um, trying to think about sourcing and maybe using one ingredient. And so by the time I got to um, looking at this as a career, I'm like, well, what if you could really basically infuse a mission into a business or vice versa, infuse a, a business into a mission, yeah. you know, and then see what you could do. And so um, Honesty obviously was the first um, uh, attempt. And, and I think over time, you know, we just started with a less sweet drink. We knew that on its own would be a good place to start. And then we realized organic would be important thing to include in the way we approached. And then of course, fair trade, as well. Uh, and all of those things could be built on top of the others. As long as you were seeing commercial success, you could keep intensifying. It's almost the reverse of um, an onion. It's like at, it's of peeling an onion. It's adding yeah, layers adding. to the to, to the onion. Um, and then, of course, uh, you know, Beyond Meat was an, another um, company, but there were other ones I got. I was on the <laughs> founding board of this company, Happy Baby, which was selling yeah. organic, organic. No, yeah, you yeah. know, yeah, organic yeah, baby absolutely. food. Yeah. Um, and then Beyond Meat for me was also this real recognition that um, it, within the food space, um, the protein at the center of the plate is, is going to be the biggest footprint any of us has in terms of our, our, our diets. And so how to get involved in that, of course, personally, because my family had been vegetarian, was missing that product. And so that really inspired me. And, and uh but you, you haven't had a Fenway Frank in a while. No Fenway Franks, though they do right, sell. They, well, they sell. They sell. They sell Beyond Meat at Fenway Park. So. Oh really? Uh, no, I haven't been to Fenway Park in a while. So that's the only reason I haven't had a. Uh, <laughs> oh, you have to go back. Uh, yeah, yeah, but um, yeah. So, so um, I think it's it's for me now. This is the arena. I've, you know, I've been at it now for two decades. So I think I can't. I have to say it. it, it it's sticking, <laughs> and uh, yeah, it, it feels like when you can infuse your mission into your product, then, then you get to just have that creative challenge of, you know, scaling the product, getting people to accept it. So of course, my big question is this amazing journey you've been on, and I would love to hear who some of your mentors were. How, yeah. you know, I, I can't imagine, you know, you just came all, all, all fully formed. No, of course not. <laughs> um, yeah. Which would be, which is, you know, entirely possible. But yeah, I'd love to hear about yeah. who's inspired you. Well, so certainly um, coming out of business school, um, the founder of uh, my first job was at Calvert, the uh, socially responsible mutual fund company. And so the founder of Calvert, Wayne Silby, was a great mentor. And I, I got my internship at Calvert between my first and second year of business school. And it was very fun because um my interview with him, with Wayne, was kind of this sort of, uh, it took over a series of probably two weeks, we would have these sort of late night phone calls and they go on for a long time. And, you know, he'd say, you know, sometimes I think who I really want to, you know, someone who'd be best in this business is someone who's like run a laundry, you know, who just knows how to like meet payroll and make things run efficiently. And I hadn't done that, obviously, um, in my previous work, I said I hadn't done that, but I had, you know, through being a press secretary for a Senate office, had certainly understood marketing and communications. And through having run that nonprofit program, I understood about payroll and needing to organize a team and manage a team. 
And so, you know, look, I haven't run a laundry, but I've developed those skills and he recognized that and, and was a really um, great mentor about, you know, how to think about impact and how to think also making sure you're sort of business savvy. Uh, and so he was he was uh, been, and then, of course, when I launched Honest Tea, my co-founder, Barry Nailbuff, who had been my professor, was was great and still is a great friend and advisor and mentor. Um, and Barry, you know, took things, I'd say, with a more academic approach. Uh, and we were a great compliment because I was, you know, just trying to, you know, buy bottles and caps and food <laughs> tea. And he was trying to make sure the overall design and structure of the business made sense. And, and um, so he was a great mentor. And then, Seth, if I may, uh, I'm curious with Barry, because our, our, our eighth principle in the uh, mentoring series is evolution. And of course, there's some evolution in the relationship with Barry yeah. going from kind of the teacher student. Yeah. Is there a certain like clear inflection point? Was there something and like, you know, yeah, well, certainly when we were starting, he had, you know, um, he was an advisor and, um, but he was a partner. I mean, uh, but he was, I would say providing most of sort of the strategic advice. And then the more ingrained I got in the business, the more he would turn to just more asking thoughtful questions, you know, and occasionally, um, you know, being able to join me on a call. Let's say we had a vendor who was challenging to deal with. He would sort of be, <laughs> be the heavy there and he was very good at that. That's uh, or really raise, helpful. Yeah, or raising money, he would help with that too. So, um, uh, so yeah, it, it definitely evolved. We became much more, I would say, a partnership of equals versus student professor pretty, yeah. pretty quickly because of the just, you know, that the the knowledge and information I was gathering being directly tied to the business. I mean, Barry was always the chair of the board. He never was operating in the business because um, he was still a professor. So so that was a clear delineation of roles that helped. Um, and then uh, Gary Gary Hirschberg, the CEO of Stonyfield Farm, became an early investor and a wonderful advisor and still friend to you know today. Um, and his experience as somebody who has scaled a healthy, you know, taken a healthy product and taken it from the natural channel to mainstream was, was great. And then another great uh, advisor was Jeff Swartz, who was a CEO of Timberland, the footwear and apparel company. Oh, really smart around branding and around mission-driven brands and purpose and work. Um, and then it was interesting because even as I was building Honest Tea, I started to get involved in that other mentoring relationship. So I was a, a you know, a mentor to the Happy Baby founders, mm -hmm. uh, help them scale. And then, of course, with Beyond Meat as well, um, you know, coming in as executive chair and working with Ethan Brown and, and you know, helping to guide the company. And, you know, I would say we're still, we're, you know, once again, Ethan is now the CEO. He was always a CEO, but, you know, he's been at it long enough. He knows what he's doing. And so now it's more, I'm, I don't know if I would call it a mentor or a friend, friend slash advisor where, you know, we still are very closely connected, but you know, on a day-to-day -day basis, he's, he knows the, the business well enough that it's great just to have a, um, someone who knows the business, but isn't involved in the business on a day-to-day -day basis to be able to bounce ideas around or talk through different issues as they arise. Well, and that's, I mean, just thinking about the theme of consistency a bit too, and it sounds like, I'd love to hear a little bit more about how the people that you feel that you have mentored that have really worked out that they've continued to, you know, come to you over time, what have they done? Or what kind yeah. of you know, advice would you have for people who are looking for yeah. mentors? So I think part of it depends on the uh, level of engagement from the mentor. So, you know, with um, Gary, as we when we were getting started, he and I would basically, I think every two weeks we had a call every Friday. Uh, it was kind of Friday at noon, every two weeks, and we would just always be checking in. 
So I started when I became um, involved with Beyond Meat, I started doing that with Ethan. And um, initially there were so many questions. We've said, we better do this every other day. <laughs> so we did that every other day. And we kept that up actually for um, several years. That was three or four or five years. Uh, and, and, it, and that was, so that was a very deep engagement. But that, then I was, a, you know, I had a formal role. I was a board member and then executive chair. And so that was the, the proper way to do it. With some of the folks who I'm mentoring now, it is a little more, let's just check in every few weeks on it, usually on a Friday, because <laughs> for whatever reason, the business is a little slower, you know, the, just the pace. And so it get that chance to just, and, and um, it's useful. There were plenty of times, even with, with, with Gary, where I'd say, I want to call him right now, but I think, well, let me think about it a little more so that, you know, unless it's like a hot, you know, front, front burner emergency, let me just put this on the list. This is something I'm going to ask him about. Uh, when we have our check-in and, um, and, uh, sometimes, you know, by the time we would speak, I'd already found the solution. Other times it was like, I could say, well, here's the problem. Here's what I think the solution is. What do you think about that? And that was okay too. So it sounds like people, especially if they were talking that often, they're coming with humility, they're coming with legitimate questions. Yeah. They're coming, yeah. you know, they're asking you things that are in your wheelhouse. Yeah. Yeah. You know, with Barry and, and Honest T, we would, especially in the early years, we were speaking almost every day as well. Um, just because there was so much going on and, you know, the, the, um, the challenge for an entrepreneur, especially is it's, it can be both a little overwhelming and it can also feel a little lonely. You've got a lot of decisions, even though you have a team, you may not be able to talk about all those issues with the team. And so having somebody, like I said, outside the business, but who knows the business, um, can be a, a really useful, uh, outlet. Was there something like I'm thinking about kind of. Uh, you as the, um, you know, you with Gary or then Ethan with you, was there something about in the engagement process of how you kept it consistent? Like, was there all like, other than like clearly timing was something that helped yeah. with the consistency. Yeah. Uh, was there like any, like, did you, you, did you always make sure that you, you know, shot the breeze for five minutes first or did you just get no, right to it to it keep depends. it moving? Like, I mean, you know, we always have things we love to just check up on, but, um, no, it wasn't no, not often. I mean, we knew we, we, you know, sort of have a little bit of an agenda, but it wasn't like we, you know, had a, an advance. I think the other thing I'd say on all of these relationships, while those, these are usually just half hour check-ins, while they're great to have, it's also really important to have separate opportunities just to connect personally. So, you know, with Gary, um, he's up in New Hampshire. We would always make a point of spending some time up in New Hampshire with him, you know, not talking business and, you know, as I said, with Ethan, we were just in uh, L.A. earlier this month and got to just, you know, go for a walk with him. Right. Like not having to just talk business all the time because you really want to try to get the context of their whole life. So one of the things that my mentors always ask me and I always ask the people I talk with is just how are you doing? Like not. OK, I, we've talked about the business for a lot. Now, let's tell me about, you know, because because there's a lot going on and very rarely you know, the, the, the CEO is responsible for everyone else's welfare, but there aren't people asking how the CEO is doing. So how are you doing? What are the, what do you, you know, how's your energy level? What's, you know, going on in your personal life? Well, again, this is something that a, a, a founder may not feel comfortable sharing with the team. You know, if there's some personal challenges and, and certainly some of the people I've mentored have had, you know, challenging dynamic by definition, when you're, uh, entrepreneur, you're sort of working crazy hours, feeling stress. And so, um, it's often the case that there's real, um, you know, 
personal welfare, you've got to think about it too. We talk a lot about sort of the Venn diagram of the personal and the professional. And then I think really having that deep connection makes it how you're able to then really show up for that person as their whole self. And I think business is a B Corp and we um, you know, are very focused on impact as well. And so I think we're seeing more and more in the workforce, you can't just show up only with yeah. business. You cannot show up as not your whole self because you're missing a huge part of who people are. So I think even thinking about mentoring now the next generation, especially of other food entrepreneurs yeah. and how do you, you know, make sure that they're able to have that forum. That's one of my one of my theories, as crazy and terrible as this pandemic has been uh, in so many ways. One positive aspect is that with people working from their home, I think they feel much more secure in um, expressing their, their, their full selves or insisting on you know being able to be their full selves because you know, in an office, it's not your home turf, but in, you know, when you're on your home turf, it's like, I'm not going to put a face on or, or, you know, I'm not going to pretend not to be. I'm not going to pretend the two-year-old is not crawling on yeah, my lap right exactly, now right? and trying That's to put crayons on my it. nose. It's yeah. just, it's happening. Yeah. There's nothing you can do about it. Uh, and yeah. I love that you brought it up, the question, Seth, that you would ask of how are you doing? Because I, I've actually taken that from you and yeah. I, I cite you mentally, I promise. Because <laughs> I, I often do that with a lot of my students as they're coming out of the class and then starting their businesses. Yeah. And they're always like, oh, well, the business is this. And I'm like, yeah. whoa, no, no, you. Right. And, and that separation, ha have you found a good way? I mean, I'm still asking for advice, but have you found a good way of trying to tease out uh, in an entrepreneur's head to start separating, you know, their personal self from, you know, business entity. Cause especially early on, I mean, you, <laughs> so remember, wrapped you, up, yeah. Yeah, you remember, you remember I'd introduce myself as Jimmy chickpea yeah. trying to sell chickpeas, you know? Well, you know, part of that is time as well. Like how, what, what kind of time are you putting in? So I think it's especially early stage entrepreneurs feel this pressure. Like I've got to be working on this all my waking hours. And so, um, you know, so part of what, what I'll ask is, well, what are you doing when you're not involved in business? And they'll say, well, I'm, I'm not. <laughs> I'm yeah. always involved in business. <laughs> right, right. And so then, you know, that's that's a, a, a red flag. I mean, you, you obviously want people who take the business seriously and fully committed, but they've got to make they've got to have other sources of um, regeneration or re-energizing re themselves. And so, you know, are they. Um, maybe they have a young family or maybe they're doing some kind of sport or something, but you, you know, you want to encourage people to make sure they are doing something other than just business all the time. It's, it's not easy. Right. Well, <laughs> I say business, but of course, you know, I'm sure you guys have nonprofit entrepreneurs as well, right? It's, I mean, it's just work all the time is, is something you, you want to avoid. Yeah. You, you got to be able to, get perspective on things. You've got to be able to generate fresh ideas and those don't come from working on the business the whole time. Uh, and, and so speaking of generating kind of fresh ideas, yet this is definitely about busting through obstacles. Uh, I love like getting uh, certain quotes. I like to call it a let's get crazy. Uh, so uh, uh, one quote again that I've you know uh, paraphrased from you, I think these are the only two, is uh, the classic one you have of like, uh, those who say you can't do something should get out of the way of people yeah, doing it. Yeah. Oh, should not interrupt. There you go. Yeah. And I love that quote. Uh, are there others uh, that that you picked up from mentors along the way? Yeah. So actually that phrase, um, those who say it cannot be done should not interrupt the people doing it was a phrase I first heard from Wayne Silby. Oh, I really? Mentioned. Yeah. Wow. And then another phrase that uh, I got from Wayne was, um, if we don't change the direction we are headed, we will end up where we are going, which basically is a way to say, 
you've got to look at, I mean, certainly the way, I don't think, there's anyone arguing that the way our society is currently headed is, is either sustainable or the direction for the planet or for, um, you know, a lot of members of our society. And so we've got to be able to, the only way that's going to change is by making change. It's not, it's not going to um, change just by keep doing what we're doing. So, um, you know, that, that, that helps for me bring that activist mindset that, you know, um, I have no interest in maintaining the status quo. That's not, that's going to happen on its own. So my role is to be the, you know, an agitator and, and find a way to change things. And so can we bring different products to market? Can we, um, help sort of shift what people are thinking in their everyday consumption patterns. Well, and that leads me to ask a little bit more about Eat the Change. I'd love to hear a little bit sure. more about yeah. your organization. Yeah, so this is a, a new company we've launched, and it is, um, it's a, we call it chef-crafted planet-based snacks. So, and the idea is, can we uh, make sure people are eating nutrient-dense foods, and then there's a, can we use perfectly imperfect produce, you know, produce that wouldn't make it to the retail shelf, uh, and, and then we added organic, of course, everything we sell, you know, grown without chemical pesticides or fertilizers. And then we looked at our food system and, and we said, well, what can we do around biodiversity? Cause that's such a pressing need. It's very hard in a food company to incorporate biodiversity. Most companies will just give money away to some rainforest thing. But we said, well, let's, we looked at the foods, um, output, uh, agricultural output when we saw that there were six crops that are responsible for 57% of all agricultural production. So, well, wait a minute, what if we leave out all those crops? What if we can make our foods without uh, rice, wheat, uh, corn, uh, soy, potatoes, sugarcane? If we leave all those out, then we're saying we're supporting more biodiversity. Um, and so that's what we did. And, and it's funny because my co-founder in this is Spike Mendelson, the chef. Yeah. Um, and he said, well, I, I, you know, he developed some amazing recipes. I said, those are all great. Now I just need, need to leave out the six largest crops. <laughs> He's like, well, those are kind of in everything, really. I, yeah, but, uh, he found a way to do it. And so, um, yeah, we're really happy with, and that'll, of course, that's the same with, with this, uh, kid snack that we've launched as oh, well. So fun. Yeah. So that's, that's the, um, the for-profit side of Eat the Chains. There's a nonprofit side where we're also supporting, um, nonprofits that are helping to democratize planet-friendly eating. And so, you know, um, it's often been the point of view that uh, vegan or planet-friendly diets are just for, you know, wealthy people. And it doesn't, ha we don't think it has to be that way, we, but it takes resources, it takes education, it takes different distribution models to bring planet-friendly foods to different communities. And so we've been supporting some amazing entrepreneurs around the country. And different um, policies. Yeah, different policies and different just but different models of how, how it can work. And so sometimes it's urban farming, sometimes it's education in schools, but sometimes it's, um, you know, a, 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 like a community garden and, you know, that's structured in a different way. Um, and so we've got just these great entrepreneurs around the country and we're giving away a million dollars over three years to this to this. Um, oh, this year we gave out over. There were over 30 different entrepreneurs oh, who we found who were doing really neat work. That. So, that's, yeah. That's phenomenal. Yeah. yeah. So that's that. And then the other piece. And, and yeah. wait, if I got to ask, uh, how do those entrepreneurs reach out for 2022? I'm sorry. Uh, how, like, oh, oh, yeah, sure. Yeah. yeah. So at eatthechange.org, uh, we have a website and there's an application. We'll put the application goes live in April of every year. So because I think we're really seeing as this sort of next generation of innovative entrepreneurs. I know Jimmy. I get all the registered dietitians, Jimmy gets all the entrepreneurs reaching right. out to him and asking him lots of questions and just yeah. seeing, you know, a lot of times how to, where do you even start or how do you even, you know, how do you even 
you know, you have these ideas, you want to move forward, you don't even know sort of where to go. Yeah, and then, um, and then as you the grow, of course, you, you continue to need those. Yeah. But uh, I think um, I think hearing about you know these donations is phenomenal. It's great. Yeah, it's been really it's been really fun to connect with these communities. And actually, they just had a Veg News, which is a magazine we get here, just had an issue on black vegan. It was called the Black Vegan Issue, and I would say every other page, one of our grantees was in there. So that was just really neat to feel like we're connected with these leaders. Very cool. So one thing, Seth, I, I want to ask you as well is just about innovation, and especially with language. As I've been, you know, saying, I really have seen you step up how much your language and what you're putting out as active change agent. Something uh, that we've done is trying to be around mentoring because it is such like an older term. Yeah, it's been around a while. There's kind of the classic, you know. Oh, yeah. your, your mentor is somebody you show up with the second Tuesday of every month for lunch. You know, the food is bad, conversation is <laughs> worth and, and, yeah. and whatever else. So we've tried to at least start with terms where, you know, mentor still carries a lot of weight. So we say when we say mentor, we also say guide. And when we yeah. say mentee, we try to say believer as well. Because um, well, as you've been through so many sides of this, you know, yeah. mentoring relationship, how, what kind of words do you think are most productive? You're right, that the language, especially mentor-mentee implies someone knows something, someone doesn't, someone's sort of instructing somebody. And so, you know, I just look for people who either, I think are advisors or sources of inspiration. So, you know, uh, one thing I'm very fortunate, I have um, all three of my sons in different ways have been advisors and sources of inspiration to what we're doing. And so, yeah, is there one back, yeah, back yeah. there my now? Yeah, my son Jonah yeah. is in yeah. charge of the marketing for Planet Burger. And, you know, he was the one who set our whole family on a path towards becoming vegetarian. He was really? the one asking these questions that made us think. And then... How old is he? He's 29, just turned 29 oh. uh, this month. Well, and when he started asking those questions... Oh, he was uh, eight years old when oh. he started asking the questions. <laughs> yeah, so, no, we, we went vegetarian when he turned 13. And then we went vegan when our other our second son, Ellie was um saying hey you know i uh, he actually watched we all watched the game changers together that movie and ellie's like i'm gonna go you know we're, we're almost all the way there but i'm gonna try going entirely plant-based and for us so we did that in january of 2020 which was you know right before the whole pandemic and actually it was a great way to deal with the pandemic when, you know, when the world is sort of falling apart and feels out of balance to sort of take this extra step of being mindful around just what we were eating and as a family to do it. Um, yeah. And, and you I, didn't have to eat out. You weren't, you know, yeah, exactly. around the country. You had all, <laughs> full control over yeah, your That's food. right. You didn't have to say, hold the cheese. On yeah, exactly. <laughs> we weren't invited to a dinner where someone had, yeah. Uh, and then our, my youngest son, Isaac, is involved in the food business as well. And so um, he's very, you know, we've gone out on sales um, calls together where I'm selling something, he's selling something else. And, <laughs> and he has, you know, we'll send shelf sets to each other. So, you know, I, I consider my sons, I, I don't call it mentors, but they are absolutely sources of inspiration and ideas for me. And, and of course, you know, the products we've developed over the years as well has very much bears their, their footprint and fingerprints. So cool. I love that source of inspiration. That's a really great way to describe it because that is what it feels like when you really are talking to somebody who understands you, who believes in you, and yeah. you do feel inspired. That that's really the purpose of it. Yeah, for sure. And vice kind versa. of got a little burst of energy. Yeah. just kind of talking about that's it, right. which is so cool. Well, and it's interesting. We were talking uh, with Jonah, um, our oldest son, just about how there's a lot of parents who, even as a parent, you're it's sort of one way where the parent is the one saying do this, do this, you know, and and we set the rules. 
and I, and and he appreciated because he was such an alternative thinker not just listen to our kids but actually acted based on what they said you know and continue to um has has meant a lot different uh, outcome for him and and for me and, and it's funny we were coming up with a kid's meal at uh, planet burger and jonah was saying well we could call the meal listen to your kid's meal you know so like um just <laughs> as a message like just have that's how sort of how parents um it doesn't mean that the kids run things, but everything, but it does mean that, you know, their ideas and input are... Are very valuable, very valuable. And I think they know you too. You know, I think they understand you and they're able to almost give you advice right. as well from an outside perspective. There's a great quote. I'm, I'm not going to get it exactly, but it was an honesty bottle cap. It was something like, um, there is beauty in all of nature, but not everyone sees it. I think it was maybe by Aristotle. I'm sure we could look it up, but... I think there's also, you know, a lot of wisdom and insight out there, but not everyone listens to it, mm. right? So, you know, you, I mean, we think about, like, we brought out this product, Honest Kids, which was one of the most successful um, <laughs> innovations. Thank you. <laughs> one of the most innovations from Honesty, it came from our son, Ellie, who, you know, I uh, was packing his lunchbox and he's like, how come you're giving healthy drinks to grownups, but you're putting really sugary drinks in my lunchbox? And it's like, well, you're right. We should make a less sweet kids drink and um so you know just listening to that uh, and so i i'd wager every week a parent hears or a person hears a great business idea it just doesn't listen to it through that lens of like oh okay well i could actually do something about that yeah, so i i appreciate your time so much seth uh i i have uh one question before my last question yeah. which would be uh do you have any advice for you know other than just that great quote about looking for, you know, wisdom wherever you are. But is there something like when you do talk to somebody who is, you know, like me asking to talk to you, not once yeah. a year, but every three months, and you're like, calm down when looking for a mentor, yeah. but like, uh, you know, where do you, do you have something that you kind of well, usually say? So I do think, um, you know, I think some people feel like they have pressure, they feel pressure, they have to offer something to a mentor that, you know what I mean, to make it worth their while. Um, I do mm. think there's, it, 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 often, not always, but often there's an imbalance in sort of position where, you know, if usually if someone's looking for advice, they're seeking it from someone who's been already achieved some measure of success. Um, and yet I wouldn't just walk in totally empty handed. Like I would say, you know, um, I'd love to be able to share with you, whatever the, you know, how some insights I've learned relevant for you, you know, I mean, not to, but not the purpose here isn't to try to sell the mentor on, some service or something, but more to demonstrate, you know, you, you're trying, you want to, you want to somehow, um, be, help this person grow as well. Right. I mean, you know, obviously when you talk a mentee, someone is looking for some way to grow. So what, what is in the, in it for the mentor? Great advice. Yeah. That's phenomenal. Uh, I love that. Someone we talk about all the time too, that actually the believers in these relationships, they're actually the ones bringing it. It's yeah. not, it's not the guides that are supposed to come ready for yeah. the conversation. Yeah. It's the believer that is really has all the meat and the guides learn way more than yeah. the believer. But yeah, no, it's, you know, I remember, um, Jeff Swartz, you know, with Timberland was like, well, you know, I thought I was just investing in this tea company and all of a sudden I got introduced to this whole world of mission driven food and, and, uh, just learned a lot about how to sort of do, you know, whether it was organic or fair trade things that hadn't really been on his radar screen. Um, so yeah, you know, if you can open someone's aperture and they can look at something in a broader way, that's, you know, useful too. So my last, last question is, uh, is there a piece, uh, of 
media that you're consuming these days, whether it's a book or, you know, a, a subscription you like or a YouTube video that you just like to share with anybody? I just um, finished reading the book by uh, Monty Moran, um, which is that he was one of the, the, the cozy of, of Chipotle. Okay. And for me, it was really useful around leadership. It's called, it's a fun name too. It's called Love is Free, Guac is Extra. It's like a good <laughs> name for uh, Chipotle. But uh, it was um, great thinking around leadership and around building teams and around, um, certainly since I hadn't had experience in the restaurant field, it was a really good way for me to um, learn, you know, how sort of someone operating at a large scale runs a restaurant organization. So I, I thought that was a, I, I would recommend that. Guac is extra. Yes. I love it. <laughs> well, well, that's great. And, uh, and Seth, I, I just want to continue to say thank you to you for being always so kind and generous. And I, you do this for so many people. And uh, I also really like, you still, you, you have such strength in a very calm way, but I, I just want to say you continue to be very motivating, at least for me and, and I hear about it from others. So, so really thank you so much. We hope you feel motivated by all the good tea and remember that when maintaining a mentoring relationship, it all comes back to how and when you show up for each other. Seth has been so kind to me over the years and I'm hoping to follow his example for others. Big time. Thank you, Seth. We'll be back next week with our seventh principle of mentoring, resilience. Resilience is vital to growth and transformation. If I may loosely quote Rocky Balboa, it's not about how hard you can hit. It's about what you can take and keep moving forward. Our inspirational spirit guide for resilience is the greatest champion and teammate of all time, basketball legend, trailblazer, and progressive activist for the ages, Bill Russell. If you want to help Julie and Jimmy in our mentoring journey, then please subscribe because we all should ask for help. Thank you to our producer, Erica Samus. See you soon.